It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Saturday, March 16th. 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter, welcoming you back into uh, what will be uh, a recap of the Wisconsin victory, Michigan State victory over Wisconsin in the Big Ten semifinals, and then a preview of Michigan, Michigan State round three in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks to everyone who's been listening to the shows. Um, you know, throughout the Big Ten tournament here, been doing a little bit more than usual, quicker, shorter shows, posted more often. Uh, a lot of you have been listening to them, and I really appreciate that. I hope you, um, you know, are getting insight out of them and finding them valuable and enjoying listening to them because I've been enjoying doing it. So, uh, like I said, on today's show, start first segment, just one segment, talking about uh, Michigan State beating Wisconsin, some interesting things that came out of that game, and then we'll do two segments on the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, might not get into a ton of numbers and things like usual. I'll, I'll remind you of a few important things uh, statistically that could you know, factor into this, but we'll talk about it kind of from a narrative perspective. I think there's a ton of interesting things that are playing into this as it relates to you know, this rivalry uh, and, of course, the NCAA tournament in the brackets. So there's some interesting things to talk about there. Uh, so I just want to throw out some scenarios and things like that, give you my thoughts uh, on the game and how it might play out and what it all means in the grand scheme of things. Uh, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Go to iTunes, rate and review. Five-star ratings are super helpful, and I enjoy them. I enjoy reading your reviews. They're very nice. Um, you know, compliments make me feel good. <laughs> So go ahead and, and go over there and do that if you haven't done it yet. Um, and then uh, just for your sake, subscribe to the podcast. It is the easiest way to get these shows. And when you know we're going to be going through the NCAA tournament here, there's going to be a lot more shows, kind of two in one day sometimes, posted at different times. Um, you know, I'm going to be in Las Vegas during one portion of the tournament, so that's going to you know make things a little bit interesting. So. Uh, I'm going to get these episodes out to you as quick as I can uh, with the most relevant content as I can. The easiest way to get them to make sure you don't miss a show ever is just to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on whatever podcast service uh, you use. Just find Locked on Spartans, hit the subscribe button, get the episode sent to your phone every single day. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about this Wisconsin victory for uh, Michigan State. Okay, so Michigan State beats Wisconsin 67-55 in the Big Ten semifinal. Uh, Man, those first, what, like six, seven, eight minutes, Michigan State uh, was just death machine, Michigan State. Um, They were rolling. Ball movement, great. Shooting, great. Guys getting open looks, hitting them. Uh, You couldn't really have asked for much more. I think it started like 23-6, to something like that. Somewhere in that margin was kind of the – the way we got going there, and, and Michigan State just came out firing on all cylinders, which is nice to see because they've definitely had sluggish starts uh, recently. The uh, Certainly the Big Ten quarterfinal game against Ohio State, uh, and Michigan State's been a second-half team for sure, but to see them come out of the gates firing like that was really great, uh, and it's good to see Kenny Goins get going from the perimeter after, uh, what did he shoot, two for, here I'm looking it up, two for eight against Ohio State. So not a terrible shooting night, um, but not the best shooting night 
Uh, and he responds with a four for seven from three, uh, hit his first three and really got things going from there. Um, so that was really nice to see the shooting, the offense, the ball movement to get going, uh, was really excellent. Um, excuse me, defensively, you know, as the game progressed, you know, things as you would expect kind of bogged down at times, Wisconsin's a really good team. They have a really good defense. Michigan state was playing at a level that was unsustainable because of math. And Wisconsin was playing at a level that they would be able to very easily turn around because of math. You know, I listened to the the post-game show, uh, Izzo at the desk, uh, answering questions, and he kind of said in the first half he thought more the, the majority of Wisconsin's struggles in the first half offensively because they were missing shots. Uh, and I think, you know, he's someone who doesn't, dish out a ton of credit right away like he always should, especially in the press conference situation like that, to his own team. He always is sure to, to give other teams credit, which is uh, fine and dandy. Um, but yeah, I, I generally, generally ag- agree with him. Uh, I think Michigan State at times played really good defense in the first half and rebounded really well, uh, especially Aaron Henry. But yeah, Wisconsin missed some shots. Uh, and then the second half, I thought the defense for Michigan State was really strong, especially in the post. Uh, Ethan Happ finishes with 20 points, but it took him 20 shots to get there. Uh, 10 for 20 from two, 50%, which is, you know, for him, it's not great. It's fine, I guess. But then, he, you know, he doesn't shoot from the perimeter. He goes 0 for 1 from the free throw line, and he ends up just with a so-so day. Uh, and he's a guy for Wisconsin. If they're going to win, especially, you know, now that they're out of the tournament and in the NCAA tournament, if they're going to win in advance, Ethan Happ's going to be have to really going to have to be really good, really efficient uh, and, and do a better job than he did against Michigan State. And I think the credit to that, you got to give credit to Xavier Tillman. He's just becoming a force defensively. And I thought Nick Ward, despite having limited minutes, um, brought great energy and did some things to frustrate Wisconsin down low. But uh, overall, the team, you know, maybe Hap missed a couple of shots that he normally gets uh, in close and things like that. But I, I don't remember seeing many opportunities for him where he wasn't shooting over somebody's outstretched hands. Like there were always bodies around him, always people making it difficult on him down low. Um, you know, even when he had good position and things like that, it was never easy for him. And that's what you got to do against a guy like that. And it's, you know, he takes 20 shots uh, from two, the rest of the team combines for 29. So he just takes a lot of shots for them. And if he's not having a really excellent, efficient uh, outing, they're going to struggle offensively. And we saw that And a huge credit to Michigan state. Um, here, let me see my time. A couple other things I want to talk about. Cassius Winston banged his uh, other foot, looks like. Um, so that's something we're going to talk about more in the next couple of segments. But I thought, uh, you know, he was gimping around a little bit at times, but was still able to make plays. You know, he finishes with 21 points, uh, six assists, a couple of rebounds to go against two turnovers. So it's kind of like, yeah, Cassius scores in the 20s, leads the team in assists, and it's we're like, oh, ho-hum <laughs> in 28 minutes. Um, glad he was able to get 28 minutes and it wasn't 34 or anything like that. And his minutes are going to be interesting to watch moving forward. But I thought he, um, had a, a game where he was mostly solid throughout. Wasn't, you know, crazy or anything like that, but just did a really good job. Was really solid. Xavier Tillman was outstanding. Uh, 17 points on eight field goal attempts. Went seven of nine from the free throw line. So that's excellent efficiency and offensive rating of 140. Um, he had seven rebounds, four assists, which was nice. It was nice to see uh, Tillman and Kenny Goins each get four assists. I thought they both did a really good job passing the ball. 
Uh, and that's just another dimension for Michigan State when those two guys are, are making nice plays, passing the ball, um, especially in and out of the post. Kenny Goins does a really good job setting up post plays, um, and Xavier can pass it out of the post pretty well too. So that's really a nice thing to have going for Michigan State. And I thought Aaron Henry, uh, you know, he struggled from two, which is weird, but he made both of his three-pointers, which is nice. Six points for him. Uh, 0 for 4 from two, uh, which, gosh, he missed a couple of, they were tough layups, but there was like transition-y type buckets, late transition things where I thought he would have made them. And if he makes those, you know, he finishes with 10 points and 11 rebounds and a couple assists. And, you know, we've talked a ton about how Aaron Henry gets his first open look of the game. And if he shoots it, or if he passes it up and and doesn't take it, um, it's kind of is like an indicative of how his day is going to go out. Weirdly, it's like a harbinger of whatever's going to come. Uh, if he's feeling good and confident and aggressive, he takes a shot. Whether or not he makes it doesn't matter, uh, but he generally makes it when he's feeling good. Uh, but if he passes it up, something's off with him. And I thought, you know, he got that first shot today. He drained the three. Uh, he finished with 11 rebounds, a career high, was everywhere on the glass, uh, was active again defensively, had a couple of really nice plays offensively, uh, aside from, you know, just hitting the two three-pointers, which is really nice to see, uh, had a, a beautiful assist to Tillman kind of late in the game, um, so, and I thought overall made a positive impact, uh, and definitely was sort of that all-around X-Factory type guy that he can be. Uh, and then lastly, Nick Ward only got 11 minutes, uh, had four fouls called against him in those 11 minutes. And honestly, out of the four, maybe one was a foul. Uh, it was kind of a rough day for him. Um, it just in that regard, in terms of bad luck calls going against him. But what I thought was really impressive is that despite that, despite the frustration, despite, he, you know, he only gets two points and three rebounds, he's not... Uh, dominating the game or controlling the game or anything like that. Uh, he was able to come up with a block on defense, a really nice block on Hap, had a steal, uh, and for like a two-minute stretch at the end of the game, just made energy play after energy play, grabbed a rebound, drew a bunch of fouls, turned them over, uh, and just got Michigan State the ball and helped Michigan State keep the ball for like two minutes at the end of the game. And they were all just like energy-type plays that no one really – you know, they're not him getting buckets or anything like that. So it's not points and rebounds, the thing we all jump to really quickly to measure how good some, or how well somebody played. Um, but I thought that was really impressive for him to have a frustrating day like that. Uh, but to make winning glue guy type plays at the end of the game, I think says a lot about him, uh, a lot about his character, what he's willing to do to help this team win. Uh, and I thought that was a really positive sign moving forward. And like, you know, the offensive game is still there. It didn't go away. Um, he's going to be able to score when he gets, you know, extended opportunities, extended run. When he gets touches in the paint, he's going to score. So overall, uh, as a team, I thought it was a really solid performance. Uh, I think the minutes, uh, the management of minutes was done pretty well, pretty thoughtfully. Foster Lawyer played 12 minutes. Um, Kyle Arnes only got eight, and that was tough. Kithier got four, and Gabe Brown got six. We'll see if Arnes can even play against Michigan because his back keeps locking up on him. Uh, it might be a scenario where it's best just to sit him uh, and give Gabe Brown those minutes and just kind of try to get through the Michigan game uh, as healthy as possible. But we'll sort of see how that plays out. But uh, overall, thought it was a solid game for Michigan State. Certainly things that they can clean up uh, and improve upon. But uh, they handedly beat a really good Wisconsin team 
uh, added another quad one win, strengthened the resume even more for the brackets. Uh, and not much more you could have asked for aside from maybe, you know, not letting the 20-point lead or the 17-point lead back into single digits. But against a good team, stuff like that's going to happen. So overall, really nice performance. And now we move to the championship game. So we're going to do that after this first break. Uh, real quick, been telling you guys you can play this podcast through your smart device in your vehicles. It's easy. All you do is you tell the smart device in your car to play podcast Locked On Spartans. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Okay, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. So, round three. Here we go. Duke, Carolina round three was outstanding. Kentucky, Tennessee round three was maybe the game of the year. And now for the Big Ten title, not the Big Ten title, the Big Ten tournament title. For the Big Ten tournament title, we get Michigan State and Michigan round three. Um it's funny. So, A, uh, that's really cool and exciting, and it's good for the rivalry, and it's good for the both programs. It's it's really, it's uh, it's genuinely much more interesting and fun uh, to have both these teams playing at an elite level over the last five, six, seven years. Beeline's built the program up, um, and, you know, and with another decade of you know, continuing to do what he's done there, they'll be in the same boat kind of, you know, Beeline will be looked at the way Izzo is, you know. Uh, I think the only thing keeping Michigan uh, out of the status of Michigan State right now, at least in contemporary basketball, is just Michigan State's had the sustained success for longer. Uh, But make no mistake about it, Michigan's been a top 10 program in college basketball the last five or so years, five, six years, going back to really when uh, Trey Burke got there and they got going. So that's all really well and good. It's really cool to have this going. Um, it's really cool to have huge stakes like we had last weekend, the first time around when these guys played at Chrysler. And, you know, the Big Ten title is, the Big Ten tournament is what it is. It does mean something. It's not the end-all, be-all. Uh, but you're playing for a championship against your rival, both teams. Uh, and that's cool, too. That's cool that they've been able to both get to this tournament championship a number of times and win it both programs Michigan's won it twice in a row Michigan State won it the year before that and then a couple years before that won it as well so these two programs dominate the conference uh, are probably the two best most consistent programs in the conference right now and that's really cool also on the other hand (laughs) these two teams uh, are probably the best chance for the Big Ten Conference to make a run into March both are poised to Uh, Make deep runs. Both have elite defenses. Both um, Michigan State has an elite offense. Michigan has a solid offense. They both kind of profile as teams that can make deep runs. Uh, Anytime you've got a team with great defense, you can make a deep run. And Michigan's number two in defense. Michigan State's number nine. So, you know, both these teams are certainly poised. And with all the experience they've got, both on the roster, the coaching staff, things like that, uh, they're the two teams I would bet on from the conference to make a deep run in March. 
Also, they're the two teams that probably need to rest the most out of everyone in the conference. <laughs> Michigan has been playing shorthanded for a long time. Charles Matthews just came back, trying to work him back in from his injury. Uh, but even still with him, they've got like a six and a half, seven man rotation uh, over uh, at U of M. Uh, they got a few guys they're trying to work in off the bench now at Castleton, Eli Brooks, guys like that who just didn't play big roles all year and are now being asked to shoulder some more minutes. Uh, and so we'll see how the rotations for them shake out. But like Michigan doesn't need additional minutes on uh, Simpson's legs right now. They don't need Brezdikas to have additional minutes. Pool, Livers, those guys, like Teske needs to just like sit. They need guys to rest up and get ready for the March uh, Madness run here. And Michigan State is just more banged up than freaking anybody could even believe. You got, you're trying to work in Ward, Cassius Winston's, both his feet are hurt. The Big Ten Player of the Year's got a hurt foot and then he hurts his other foot. Matt McQuaid slams his back into a cameraman because Brad Davis in that dirt ball tackled him. Uh, out of bounds at the end of the game. Kyle Arns can't freaking move because his back is just locking up. Like these two teams, more than any other teams in the conference, didn't need to make the championship game. They didn't need to play three games in three days just for the practical purpose of resting. They're both really good teams. They didn't, neither one of them need to prove anything in this tournament. Even if Michigan beats Michigan State, it won't prove that they're better than Michigan State. The worst it can be for Michigan State is one and two, or two and one against Michigan. The best it can get for Michigan is one and two, and you won the championship that matters less than the other one. There's nothing for either of these teams to prove, and yet, of course, of course, they're just better than everyone else. They play better than everyone else. They crush the teams that they play in the tournament and they end up in the championship game against each other. It's just like, it's funny to me. It's like, uh, as a Michigan State fan, I'm happy that they're playing well. I'm glad they're in the finals and this will be a really fun opportunity to watch them play their rival again. And that's really great. But I'm just like, man, (laughs) after Cassius hurts his foot against Michigan, hurts it again against Wisconsin, Kyle Arnes is back, all that stuff. I'm just like, man, I could really, I bet they could use a rest right now. <laughs> and I'm sure there are Michigan fans who feel the same way, although maybe there's a little bit more, uh, you know, not venom, but like energy on their side, more want to, to see what they wanted to get to this championship game so they could get a little bit of, or have a chance to get a little bit of revenge or something like that. Uh, on Michigan State because Michigan State swept them and won the Big Ten regular season, and Michigan State or Michigan you know, finishes in third in the conference. So maybe there's a little bit more juice on the Michigan side, but I'm sure deep down um, there's part of the fan base, part of Beeline, part of the players who are like, man, uh, a rest here, you know, being one and done in the conference tournament. Maybe it would have helped us down the road in March, and that's the one at this point. Now that the regular season's over. Uh, March Madness matters a little bit more than the conference tournament. So that was my first observation of, you know, Michigan State and Michigan getting in. The two teams with the best chance of advancing for the conference, the conference's best hope, uh, who needed the rest more than any other team in the conference for that reason and for the reason that they're both shorthanded and and just thin on the bench. Uh, And, of course, they crush everyone and make it to the finals. So thanks a lot, Big Ten, for not being able to play up to the standard of Michigan State and U of M, uh, you're really screwing over the conference's chance of trying to get to the Final Four. Although, as we know, 
and as you know, because you listen to the show regularly, uh, and you listen to the show where I went over Big Ten tournament results and NCAA tournament results to see if there's a correlation, we all know that there is no correlation between Big Ten tournament success and NCAA tournament success. But still, it's a chance for 40 more minutes on guys that probably don't need uh, another game on their legs as we move into March. Um, In that vein, in that idea, in that area, I want to talk about Cassius Winston specifically uh, for a couple minutes here, and then we'll move to a break and talk more about this game. But I would be okay. Like, yes, I want Michigan State to win. I, you know, I, I want them to sweep Michigan 3-0. That would be wonderful. Um especially when two of the three games they played would were winner gets a championship, loser does not. Uh, that would be fun and great. Um, but I'm okay with Cassius Winston playing 26 minutes in the championship game. I'm okay with Cassius Winston playing 22 minutes in the championship game. And whether those other minutes are McQuaid taking some time at point and 15 foster lawyer minutes or whatever, uh, I, I'm fine with that because... You've got the conference player of the year. Nobody is as important to this team as Cassius Winston, and it's not necessarily close with anyone. There's certainly a number of really good basketball players on Michigan State's team. A lot of guys who do a lot of things. Nobody is near the level of importance of Cassius Winston. Nobody's been as good all season long as him. Uh, and he's getting to a point, point. Tom Izzo said this, uh, in in the uh, in the post game news conference, he said we're kind of dragging our our butts to the finish line here. We're trying to you know get to the finish line, and if he's nursing a hurt foot and a hurt toe and whatever happened to his other foot uh, against Wisconsin, if that's something where you know now that the adrenaline is worn off and he's sitting here six thirty on Saturdays and recording this, he's sitting back at the hotel. And that thing really freaking hurts, and he's got to go through a ton of treatment and all kinds of stuff just to get it to a point where he can play. Um, I'm okay if they don't push that. You know, you don't push that now so that you can push it in the NCAA tournament. It would be, um, I don't even, I, I can't even start to describe how big of a disappointment it would be, not just for fans, the team, everything like that, but for Cassius Winston himself, if he goes out against Michigan, plays a ton of minutes, uh, and he's in the 36th minute of the game, and he's played 34 of 36 minutes, and something happens where, um, you know, it just, the the injury he's got, he re-injures it or something like that, uh, and it's something where he has to miss extended time and can't play in the NCAA tournament or he gets to the NCAA tournament and he's just completely hobbled and isn't himself and it's a direct cause of Michigan State going out early um yes this game is important it is not ne- this game is not nearly as important as the game that Michigan State's going to play either next Thursday or Friday even though that game is against a 16 or a 15 seed and despite Middle Tennessee State there's a very small chance Michigan State's going to lose that game regardless. That game is so much more important than beating Michigan in the Big Ten Tournament Final. It just is. Um, and that needs to be the focus. That should, I'm sure, has been the focus. We've seen the rotations. Uh, Cassius's minutes were down against Wisconsin, or against Ohio State. That's great. Uh, his minutes were 28 uh, against uh, Wisconsin, which I'm sure was the plan, having a 28-12 split for him. 
they need to be down again against Michigan. I don't care that it's Michigan. There are bigger things to play for in one week, and if your best, most important player has his season derailed uh, in the Big Ten tournament final, it will be a giant waste. It would be so disappointing. This game is not worth something like that. And I, I think the same thing can be said for Kyle Arns. Um, if he's going through all this just to warm up and try to get ready and be able to play 8 to 10 minutes and it's just not something that he can push through, then take the extra day and start his rest and rehab program for the NCAA tournament now. Um, he's another one where if, you know, say he takes, he's taken hard falls damn near every game he's played. If he takes another hard fall, does something where he's uh, even more limited going into the NCAA tournament than he is now, that would be just so disappointing for him. Yes, this game certainly matters. It's a big, fun game. It's for a, a conference tournament championship, but it's nowhere near as important as the games that Michigan State's about to play uh, in a week. And I, th I hope that Michigan State approaches it that way from an injury management standpoint. All right, let's break right there for segment two. When we get back, I want to talk about this game. How much does it matter in terms of seeding? I've been hearing and seeing, reading a lot of different things about that. Uh, could be the difference of one seed, two seed, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to talk about that. And I'll get into a little bit of the game, some things that I think are interesting trends worth talking about uh, real quick. I'll do that after the break. Uh, so yeah, we'll do that after this commercial break real quick. Hey, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, you could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors to hear on their favorite shows. And our demographic earns more money and has more education than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at locked on. What is it? Yeah, sorry. Locked on Spartans at gmail.com. Forgot my email address there for a second. Anyway, back after this. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Okay, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked On Spartans, final segment of the day. Let's talk about some bracket stuff because I've been seeing a lot of things. I've been getting a number of questions about, you know, if Michigan State wins, are they a one seed? Uh, if Michigan State doesn't get a one seed and they win, should we be mad? Does it matter if Michigan State wins? Is their seed already locked in? Where's Michigan State going to be seated, et cetera, et cetera? Where, where are they going to be located? What division? What region? What, uh, where are their first four games going to be? Or the first two games going to be? All that stuff. And I think, um, you know, I think that stuff by time... Oops. Drop the pen. By the time Michigan and Michigan State tip off, I think a lot of that stuff's going to be pretty set out. It's a 3.30 tip. The bracket reveal show is at 6. You would think the bracket's going to be done around 5, 5.30. Michigan Michigan State tip off at 3.30. That game ends at 5.30, um, and the bracket show starts You know, 15 minutes after that game ends. Um, that bracket's already done by the time that game ends. Um you know, maybe the first 10, 15 minutes of the game are taken into consideration. But again, this, these are two teams that have played each other twice. 
uh, on each other's courts. I don't think there's anything that could happen in this game to swing, e- you know, favor in each way for either Michigan or Michigan State. So I, I honestly don't think that it matters a ton. Now it, you know, it, it's tough because they generally, I, I, I'm under the impression that they do the top of the bracket first. Uh, I think I was reading that they seed all the ones, then they go twos, threes, fours, five, six, down to the 16. So in theory, the ones are all going to be laid out at four o'clock and maybe, you know, maybe they're doing all this stuff and they've got a, if Michigan State wins, then kind of thing, contingency brackets, things uh, set aside, the SEC still has to be decided, but that's something where you know, maybe because Tennessee beat Kentucky, Tennessee's locked into a two seed and Kentucky can't win the conference. So now they're locked into a two seed. You know, we just don't know. And I think we do this thing every March, every conference tournament where we kind of overvalue the last game we saw and just recency bias and the fact that it's a conference tournament, we put more value in it. Again, I don't think any sort of result tomorrow has any sort of bearing on whether Michigan or Michigan State are better than each other. They've played twice. Michigan State won both times. Um, not, not a blowout by any stretch, but it was mostly comfortable, kind of solid wins, we'll call them. You know, not a, certainly not a blowout, but not a nail-biter, not a buzzer-beater or anything, just solid wins, uh, and they beat Michigan twice. And, you know, if Michigan blows out Michigan State tomorrow, it doesn't negate all that. So I think the committee kind of already has these teams set where they're going to be. Now, there might be something where a Big Ten title is a feather in the cap for a Michigan State, and they say, hey, if Michigan State wins this, we got one bracket where they're the number one, the number four overall seed and the last number one seed, and if they lose it, they're the number five overall and the, the first number two seed. Maybe there's some sort of contingency things. I think Joe Lenardi said uh, on TV that if Michigan State wins, and this is like his projection, and again, even someone like Joe Lenardi, who's on TV talking about this, who does a good job with brackets, who is fairly accurate, they miss. Not only do they never get all the teams in the tournament right, they always miss one, two, three teams in the actual tournament. Uh, they miss so many seeds uh, in terms of they put someone a six and they're an eight. They put someone a seven, they're a five. They miss so many seeds. They miss so many regions. Like It is a hodgepodge. And his bracket, not just Lenardi's, it's all of them. All their brackets change all the time. Things are constantly getting shifted and nobody has any idea. So the idea that if Michigan State wins, they get a one seed out west with Gonzaga as a two seed. If they lose, they're the number two seed in the south with Duke as their number one. That's what I saw recently. And now people are like, oh, really high stakes on this game. I think that's a bunch of crap. Um, Not saying that <laughs> that scenario maybe isn't in or maybe yeah maybe is not in place it might be I don't know but I think for someone to definitively say that uh is crap I think the idea that you know one game like that could make such a major swing I think is a bit overblown again we overvalue these games I think by time this game tips off by time Michigan and Michigan State tip off the bracket's going to be almost done uh, I would think that they pay very little attention to it. We've seen in past years where Michigan, remember the Michigan State, Ohio State, um, or no, whatever it was, it was 2016, 2015, whenever Michigan State ended up as a two seed, we thought they should have been a one seed. 
uh, and they won the conference tournament. And after they said, hey, Michigan State won the conference tournament, was that a factor in moving them up to a one line? Did you consider moving them up to the one line because they won the conference tournament, or were they always a two seed? And whoever it was representing the bracket, they do the interview on CBS after and answer questions from the media, said, no, the bracket was done before that game ended, so that game did not impact the outcome of where Michigan State ended up on the seed line. So I think the idea that Michigan State is somehow playing for uh, its draw tomorrow is a little bit overblown. Uh, I think all they're playing for, I think both Michigan and Michigan State are probably solidly on the two line. And maybe Michigan State can slide up to the one line because Kentucky lost. I'm sure that'll be a debate uh, between, you know, Virginia and Duke are probably going to get those one seeds. And then after that, you've got Carolina, uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, and Michigan State uh, all having you know, a solid argument for that, the last two number one seeds. And assuming Gonzaga gets in, uh, I think Michigan State might have the strongest argument uh, over Kentucky now that Kentucky has lost uh, and North Carolina because North Carolina lost as well. Um, And I think the North Carolina one is an interesting loss because they lost to Duke without Zion and that uh, for a lot of people, puts Duke in the one seed over Carolina. It's really it's it's a mishmash up top. There's a lot of teams that have a, a legitimate stake at being a number one seed, and I think it's like you're pulling apart hairs, like you're parsing so many semantics trying to decide who's the one seed. But I will say this: if we're operating under the assumption that Virginia's the one seed, uh, number one overall, they go out east. Duke's a one seed. They go south. Gonzaga's a one seed. They go west. That means the one seed for the Midwest could very well be up for grabs. Uh, certainly, Kentucky would love to be that team. Carolina, I think, wouldn't hate being the the one seed in the Midwest. And that would be a nice spot for Michigan State to land. If they could somehow get into that one seed in the Midwest, they'd play their first two games in Columbus, which is uh, nice for Michigan State fans traveling. Uh, and then Kansas City for the the regional final, regional semis and regional final, which is not the worst trip. And then Final Fours in Minnesota, so it could be a nice little close, quick circle around for Michigan State and their fans if they're able to make a deep run here. So that would be an ideal spot if Michigan State has done enough. You know, it's convincing win over another quad one team. Most quad one wins in the country. Uh, really tough strength of schedule. Won the deepest conference in the country during the regular season. Uh, battled through injuries. Like you, 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 I don't know how much more you can say about Michigan State. If they, if you take away one of those two Indiana losses or the Illinois loss, if you take away one of those, uh, I think Michigan State's locked into a one seed right now. Uh, if you take away two of those, uh, Michigan State might be the number one overall seed in the entire thing right now. They, like that's how much we're parsing semantics with these teams. Um, but yeah, I think Michigan State. If they're going to be a one seed, they've already made their argument for it uh, based on winning the conference, handedly beating Michigan twice, beating Wisconsin on the road, beating Michigan on the road, thumping Wisconsin again, absolutely demolishing Purdue at home. Um, you know, a bunch of really good road wins in conference. Like, they've got a hell of a resume. Uh, and the committee really likes those quad one wins, and nobody has more than Michigan State. So we might just see Michigan State on the one line, regardless of what happens. Uh, tomorrow, and if we do, and we get Duke and Gonzaga and Virginia, we'll get Michigan State as number one in the Midwest. Uh, and that's a really, I think, a good start to a draw for Michigan State. You can't ask for much better than that. 
number one in the Midwest is where Michigan State should want to be. So, all right, that's the end of the show. I know we didn't talk a bunch about matchups and things like that, but, you know, we've, we did that show twice, uh, actually three times because we did two preview shows the first game. We've done three Michigan-Michigan State previews in the last, like, two and a half weeks, so I figured you'd be pretty much fresh up on things. Hey, Michigan doesn't shoot well from three. They're a great defensive team. Uh, they can score it a little bit inside. They're not the best offensive team. Michigan State needs to make them take tough shots and do a good job on the glass, and they'll win. That's it. That's the preview. <laughs> That's all you need to know going into this one. It's the same as the other few times around. Uh, but it will be interesting to – certainly we're still looking out for Nick Ward. Hopefully he can get like 18 to 20 minutes in this game uh, and get some touches down low and get himself working offensively. And hopefully whatever they decide with Cassius – uh, it ends up okay, and they're no worse for the wear injury-wise uh, after the Michigan game because the real stuff starts soon. So here's what we're doing. Um, this is the end of this show. We're not going to have a show go out tomorrow. Uh, so this show at 6.40 here on Saturday night. I'm going to publish it in like 20 minutes, so it'll be out then. That'll serve for you know tonight's show and tomorrow's show, the preview type thing. Um I'm going to record stuff Sunday night once the bracket comes out, and that'll be live Monday morning, uh, and then we'll do more bracket stuff Monday night for Tuesday morning, so back to a normal schedule. Wednesday will be an off day, and then Thursday, well, it depends. If Michigan State plays Thursday, we'll go on Wednesday. Um, If Michigan State plays Friday, we'll have Wednesday off and go on Thursday, so either way, there'll be one day off next week. I'll keep you posted once we get the bracket and the schedule and things like that. So, all right, that's the end of today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores. Email the show locked on Spartans at gmail.com. Go to the Facebook page, like it locked on Spartans on Facebook. Those are all different ways you can get the show uh, back tomorrow with uh, actually, I just lied to you. <laughs> We'll be back Monday. The next time you hear from me will be Monday morning when we'll start breaking down that bracket. Um, and depending on which when Michigan State plays, we'll either be back with another bracket preview the next day or have a day off, things like that. But I'll, we'll tell you more about it tomorrow. Uh, Kyle Austin of MLive is going to join the show next week. Joe Cook, Sugar of 131 Sports, I think is going to join the show next week as well to talk about some bracket stuff too. So huge week coming up. Definitely looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Uh, and we will talk to you on Monday. Until then, go green. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.